0: With 80-plus episodes in the vault and more than $3 billion in total compensation increases received by the Secrets Village, KP and PR are still dropping jewels. Secrets continues to validate that you are not crazy with the challenges faced in trying to reach and exceed your career aspirations. A listener describes Secrets as helping to pinpoint areas I need to develop in conversations I never knew I needed to hear. And Season 5 will definitely not disappoint as they continue to deliver secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to increase your market value by building generational wealth. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have paid their dues to reach the top of corporate America, and they want to share their stories with you to transform your journey. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season five. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to Secrets. Ricky, how you doing today?
2: What's going on? Hey man, I'm doing pretty good. We're both over here trying to... Fight the E and not uh get sick because we in our circle, we've been infiltrated. But yes. <laughs> you know I've just been so excited about this episode that we're going to have today. I mean, we've had a lot of great, you know, moments and great guests on uh, uh secrets. And today we're just gonna add to that list. And last year we had the pleasure of being on Maureen Metcalf's innovating leadership, co-creating our future podcast. And that was just like a really great moment, you know, for us. And today we have Maureen with us today to share some of her leadership gems. So today is one of those days when we get to hear from Maureen (laughs) versus people being able to hear from us.
1: Yeah. And then we had a great time on Maureen's podcast and we talked about mentorship versus sponsorship. And that's a topic that we talk a lot about on Secrets. And we know that it's one of the key differentiators between those who make it to executive leadership and those who get stuck in those middle management jobs.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's important, you know, also to distinguish between managing and leading, <laughs> right? Because they're just not synonymous, you know, or one and the same, which we will dive into a bit today. This world is changing so fast. I mean, things that we were doing a couple of years ago, we're not doing today. We're talking about the future of work and all of these things. So, and it has changed exponentially in the past few years with racial unrest, COVID, political divides and anti-democratic movements. So leadership is more important than ever. And this is what, you know, our young talent, you know, is asking for. They're asking for leaders to be able to change with the tides a bit. And we're looking forward to our discussion with leadership expert, Okay. Maureen Metcalf today. So KP, why don't you put a little shine on Maureen before we uh, jump into the episode? I think I need to be shined up, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite.
1: <laughs> you know how I like to have fun with these intros. but <laughs> Ma- Marina is the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute and a highly sought-after expert in anticipating and leveraging future business trends. She's a fellow with the International Leadership Association and serves on the advisory board of the School of Strategic Leadership at James Madison University, JMU, y'all in Virginia. And Maureen is a regularly featured author of Forbes.com. She hosts the Voice America International radio show focusing on innovative leadership. And she's the author of an award winning book series on innovative leadership, including the Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations, which was a winner of the 2014 International Book Award. Maureen was named business first BizTech Executive of the Year in 2019. ComSpark Power Player in 2018, 2019, and 2020, and she was named 10 Influential Business Leaders to Watch in 2020. And most importantly, Maureen and I have something in common. We are fellow Hokies, Virginia Tech Hokies, and more importantly, Pamplin College of Business Hokies. So Maureen, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here.
3: Thank you, Keith. And you know what? I want to, I don't typically do this, but I want to talk about just for a second. I just received my honorary doctorate in community leadership from Franklin University. So mostly thank you, Franklin University.
1: Amazing. For
3: appreciating what I do. And thank you both for inviting me to be here. I loved having you on our podcast. And I tell you, you're in one of our, you're in the top 10 for the year of most listened to podcasts. So you've had thousands of listens that we know of. And what we, what we can't even track is how, because we only look at IP address. So if an IP address is for a large building, you may have had tens of thousands of listens. So thank you for sharing such brilliant content, because what you talk about changes lives and changes careers. Hey, look, Maureen, we are just
2: happy to have you on. And look, you guys, I know we don't necessarily make the videos uh, public for everybody, but Keith is over here cheesing with his Virginia Tech T-shirt on. You know, he's all happy (laughs) because Maureen was coming on. You know, he done laid that out and ironed it last night, probably, you know. (laughs) But look, we're just so happy to have you on. And today is going to be just an outstanding episode because we're going to uh, talk with Maureen about her story and her career journey. We'll also delve into managing versus leading because it is a difference and what future ready leadership looks like. We'll provide some receipts on the importance of leadership and we'll close out with secrets from Maureen on how to be a future ready leader in today's environment. So, KP, like let's jump into this, you know, with Maureen.
1: Yeah. So, Maureen, we always like to start out. Um, all of our podcasts by giving our listeners some insight on who they're actually talking to. Some of those personal touches that you don't hear in the professional biography, if you will. So could you just take a moment to kind of bring our listeners up to speed on who you are, what was your upbringing, you know, some of your career journey for our listeners?
3: There's a good reason we don't put some of that in LinkedIn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got that right.
3: So let me give a little bit of background because it does inform who I am. So, my dad was in the military. I was an army brat born in Munich, Germany. I don't remember it because we came back to the US when I was a baby. But being a military kid impacted a couple of different things. One, the moving around, the just a level, a sense of place and family that for people who grew up in a community that was the same and their grandparents were there and all that, we didn't have that. So, we learned to kind of build our community differently. And, and so as I think of the people closest in my life, they're not necessarily related by blood, but people I picked. And for many of us over a certain age, that's true anyway. But the other is my dad was in army intelligence. And so you know as we now deal with cybersecurity and physical security and some of that stuff, and war in Ukraine and having a military family was interesting. And my dad would probably be considered the consummate risk management person that I've ever met. So he's still alive. When they built their new house, he's outside of DC. He calculated if there was a nuclear explosion, what direction would the wind blow? So his house is outside of the the zone. So I kind of grew up in a bit of a, one of his happiest moments I think was when we had kids recently coming, they live on a farm, coming up to Christmas Carol. And nobody Christmas carols and nobody Christmas carols in this neighborhood of farms. So I, and they show up in a van and these cute little kids get out and I'm looking around to see if there's somebody hiding in the van, you know? So I'm thinking die hard, I guess. My dad's so proud that I'm making sure that the house isn't being overrun by, you know, Christmas carolers. So that upbringing and as we think about leadership, where we come from or the arc of time of our life informs how we see the world. Now, I've been through therapy to kind of help me not see all of the, the dangers of children Christmas caroling, but but it does inform The pros and the cons of how I see the world and as a leader, much of what I do, because if we think about leading being who I am, who I'm being, how I relate and what I do, the being stuff is positively and negatively for all of us, no matter how good our parents were, is informed by where we came from. And our personal stories and mindsets and how that filters in and just part of our jobs as we grow into leadership is to weed the garden periodically and remove that stuff that we've over-indexed. For me, you know, it's hard to be positive in the world when you're thinking Christmas carolers are going to shoot you. So part of what I needed to stop over-indexing on was the risk side and really learn to be a little more positive because positive people just have better experiences in the world. So I realize that doesn't give you my whole life story, but it tells you a little bit about where I came from and the bit of garden weeding I've been doing lately.
2: No, you know what, Maureen, I appreciate, you know, you being able to share that, you know, being vulnerable with that story, because it really does You're my friend. I know a lot of people don't know, you know, our relationship, me, you and Keith's relationship. But like, Maureen, you're one of the people who I always look to in terms of having your third eye. on, Right. Like, you you know, you always look for a direction or an angle that maybe we didn't look at. You know, so I think that's where we all probably come into play because you're not tunnel vision when it comes to those things. But, you know, what I wanted to we wanted you on the show you know, to really explore like the leadership challenges of today and tomorrow. Like we have conversations all the time about this stuff and it just comes so freely. So I wanted to kind of maybe bring people under the tent under how we think and some of the things that we talk about, you know, here on a regular basis. So we spoke about the world being flipped on its head like over the past two years and it feels like we need a kind of, you know, a, a new kind of leadership, you know, so to speak. So what are some of the leadership trends that you're seeing that are different from 2019 or so?
3: So let me give a slight bit of context mm-hmm. and then I'll go into trends. So there's a military term called VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And for some people, they've heard that term so many times they're ready to you know, relieve themselves. And for others, this is a new term. And so I want to say this idea that we're in a world that is more interconnected, faster technology, and just multiple changes happening all the time. And COVID was a perfect example of leaders in many cases who were really good at leading planned transformation were dumped on their heads when COVID happened, they didn't have the opportunity to plan and respond like they typically would and some of those leaders did not excel. So back to the VUCA bit. So there there is that's the negative VUCA. There is an antidote which is leaders who can create a vision, create understanding, provide clarity and respond with adaptability and agility are going to be the leaders who are able to navigate the chaos. So a little bit in response to your question, for leaders who did well pre-COVID, let's just make that kind of our, our artificial line.
0: Th-
3: this now, and it's not like COVID was the only chaotic thing. We've been dealing with climate issues and um, social unrest and a whole bunch of other, the, the Me Too movement and the the wall street movement, the one percenters. And I mean, it's not that this is new, but the volume has gone up. So the shifting of mindset to understanding what's happening, having the, the inner fortitude. So I mentioned leadership being, being I can be good at the checklist of things but if my inner being isn't strong, I'm not able to be present for the people who count on me. And it doesn't matter how effective I am at crucial conversations or whatever the task is. If I'm having a meltdown, I can't inspire people to follow me. They want to you know, get out of my way. And that's not what we need from our leader. So I don't know if that answered, but for me, the context is helpful. Then we can talk about the trends.
2: Yeah, no, no, that's extremely helpful. I mean, there, there, again, what got us to success or perceived, you know, success, you know, in the past, it, we're just not going to keep being able to do the same things and expect to get better, you know, results. I mean, there are new factors being introduced. So, I appreciate, you know, your this kind of connects the dots a bit in terms of like your background and your perspective and how you see you know, leadership here as well. So definitely appreciate
1: that. Yeah. And Maureen, I know a few years ago, you and um, some colleagues created this strategist competency model, and it seems to be more relevant today, even more relevant today, given all of the things that are going on in the world. And for me, as I was reading through it, it really kind of made a distinction between managers and leaders as you're kind of reading between the lines. Because like you said, managers are still in that checkbox, here's how we do it. This is what we learned in business school, kind of a mode of going through transformation. But it's very different today. And a few of the areas that I find that were very timely for what the trends that you just described are uh, being professionally humble, uh, being intellectually versatile, uh, being highly authentic and reflective. Could you talk more about these competency traits and why they're important for leaders to develop in today's environment and what's going on?
3: Absolutely. So let me, I feel like I keep, if I were actually standing up, I would have just fallen off the back of the house. I'm going to say, let me take a step back a second. We talk about strategist competency model, and it's built in a framework from the developmental maturity lineage. So the idea that just like kids develop and at two years old, you can expect something. And at three years old, that model was extended by Suzanne Cook Reuter, as part of her doctoral work at Harvard, looking at specifically overlaying maturity with leadership. So how do leaders mature? And the good news is there's, a. I mean, we're human, so we're all different, but there is a predictable way that humans in leadership roles need to mature to be more effective. And so we first need to tease out, old doesn't equal mature, we all know, this um, (laughs) by people we've seen, but once we know what the framework is, we can start to help people move through the levels. Strategist is the highest or latest level, most mature level we think is effective in the business community. and It looks at cognitive complexity, so are you smart, but smart is just part of it how are you emotionally? What's your time horizon? How do you behave? What's your presence? All of these things that we call softer that aren't easier, they're just harder to measure. And so our work was to create a model that looked at mindsets and behaviors aligned with that latest stage of maturity. And as you talk about leading versus managing, because those are just job titles, I used to be a director and now I'm an executive, but to the point, if I have the same mindset as an SVP that I did as a director, that here's my job description and I'm going to tick off the stuff, I'm coming from an earlier level of maturity. So with leadership also comes that, the nuanced thinking, right? It's no longer, nothing's black and white at all everything's interconnected. So I need to see the 360 degree thinking, the nuance of how things connect. And that if I move one lever, it's going to change the whole board and ignoring that it doesn't work. There's a beautiful image of leaders sitting in a box with an A and a B and they're in their little box and around them is this chaos, right? If I'm in my little box surrounded by chaos it doesn't matter what happens in my box because I'm gonna be ineffective. So the leaders at the earlier levels of maturity, I would say the research community believes were in in many cases, very effective pre-COVID. Once we hit this level of chaos, that type of behaviors will not be effective going forward. So as you mentioned, things like professionally humble, one, what is it and why do we care? Like everything else, there's a too much and a too little. So we look at women are often understated and they don't step forward. We've got groups of people, typically men. And again, I'm not trying to be sexist or racist or anything else, but women are socialized different than men. Typically men tend to step forward more than women do. There is an appropriate level of humility for the situation what I do in the Marine Corps is going to be different than what I do in a university. And I need to know what they are. So I'm, I'm indexing on the right things. And so my example of humility, our definition is cares about getting it right ahead of being right. So if you look at what happened during the pandemic and Dr. Fauci, science is guiding. We don't have all the answers. He comes out with a statement about masks and then we learn more. Science says, His his statement was directionally correct at the time, but now we know more. Now the mask thing has changed. The leader who is willing to say we have learned and we need to change our direction. This was happening every day in opposition with the president who is saying something different. It took both humility to say we didn't have it right and massive courage to say we didn't have it right. And I am more concerned with professional or with national health than I am with my own personal image. Now, most of us aren't making that level of decisions, but how many times have you been pressed to make a decision? You don't have time. You don't have the information. You get. You say the best that you can. And then two days later, you're like, oops, directionally correct with what I had, but guess what? Not right. So now I've got to stand in front of my board or my boss or my colleagues and say, you know, that thing we've been working on, we're going in the wrong direction, need to shift. And that's happening all the time. And we used to call those flip-floppers. Now I would say they're smart, that I can pay attention, know when I need to shift gears. And when I don't, when do I stay the course and do the hard stuff? So so that ability of who am I and my inner Strength is so much more important because the amount of change we're facing, all of us, anyone in a leadership role, I can't imagine that you're not saying, yep, been there and boy, did that suck. But it is the really good leader who can own it, do it, and still inspire confidence. And they inspire confidence because of the way they were able to navigate the shift with grace. So I'm going to stop my monologue here that hopefully paints a little bit of the picture for the underpinning models and why the mindset matters.
2: Maureen, I mean, damn, this is like gold right here, because we do know and I I won't necessarily say old school. I'll just say hard headed leaders (laughs) really don't want to change like it's like it's my way. This too shall pass, you know, like all of those types of things. And you might have some information today and you and you put a strategic plan in place only to find out that other things are now introduced. And now you got to do stuff different. And that and the good leader, they understand that, hey, we got to change course. And they're okay falling on the sword in front of uh, their employees or whatnot, because that garners respect and everyone knows that things change. But that old school or that hard headed leader. They got to be right no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, and I've done this for 30, 40 years, and it's always been this way. That individual doesn't want to change. I mean, unfortunately, we've been in in those situations. And I would say for the aspiring leader, the high-performing individual, the person who's trying to move forward, it can be pretty tough trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. It can be self-doubting. It can be all of those types of things. So I, I just appreciate the example that that you gave you know that i really do so look so K- kp and i we've worked with a lot of leaders in our career good and bad okay and and, and i hate that the, some of the bad ones have rent-free space you know in our minds here but it, it sometimes it happens but we've definitely seen the traits that you just discussed like highlighted by some of the best leaders to work for one thing i've always noticed is Having like a bit of like a growth mindset, you know, meaning like the ability to move, to learn, to develop, you know, other individuals. What are your thoughts on having a growth mindset as it pertains to a future ready leader?
3: So you hit for me a couple of things. We call it intellectually versatile. People who are learning all kinds of stuff all the time at these later stages. And I'll use again the developmental model. We become massively curious about everything. You look different than I did. You had a different experience. Tell me about it. It's interesting to me. At the earlier stages, we hear people say things like we're all the same because in their minds, less mature, less sophisticated, and they're thinking we're all the same. Well, guess what? We're not. At these later stages, we know we're different. We know how much we don't understand. And we are, I want to say almost militantly committed to learning and growing, it just it's not a thing I do. It becomes who I am. I don't go through a day without reading a blog post or a something or having a conversation. So Maureen, you say shit that just always like'm I'm, I'm gonna be
2: stealing with pride some of the stuff that you said. You said militantly, what?
3: Oh, committed to learning and growing. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. I know that I, there's so much I don't know. And I, to do my job, I got to know more. So I am, you know, I talk about seeing a therapist and doing yoga and the podcasts are a way for me to learn from smart guys like you. I do that every week. I yeah. have the perfect job because I get to learn and integrate that stuff into my life.
2: Yeah, I'm telling y'all, this this is our girl, militantly committed, like like all of these things, like the intellectual curiosity, like all of these things. This is Maureen, you guys. So, I mean, again, and, and I appreciate just your perspective, you know, as we're starting to talk about the Future Ready Leader, because I know some of our leaders are listening right now saying, the stuff that she's talking about, I don't have this. <laughs> and you know, I need to kind of get my shit together, right? Like, some are saying it's, and other ones are saying, The aha moment, like the ding ding moment is happening because they're saying, okay, I'm not crazy. You know, and that's something that Keith and I always talk about. I'm not crazy.
3: I think that is such an important point. When we hit one of the levels of maturity, if we are ahead of our cohort. So somebody's always going to be the biggest kid or the strongest kid or the fastest kid. If you are the fastest in this leadership maturity space, society will tell you you are broken. I heard things like, go join a gym and stop asking these questions. Why are you asking these questions? You should be happy, shut up, and buy a sports car or something. Not ask meaning of life.
2: But you asked that last question, Maureen, and they're like, yes, Maureen. (laughs)
3: go <laughs> so join thin. a gym stop thinking so much and join a gym <laughs>
1: exactly absolutely exactly. and we see this a lot maureen and the clients that we work with you know we have a lot of bipod clients a lot of female clients and that feeling of brokenness the lack of confidence that's what all of our conversations are about right at the end of the day it's like people they feel like i've been banging my head up against the wall people are not hearing me and How do I get through this so that I can get to the next level in the organization?
3: Well, so think about if maturity, if I imagine it like stepping on a ladder, if I'm standing on the roof and you're standing on the ground, I'm going to see things you don't see or vice versa. If I happen to get promoted or if I happen to hit the maturity level before my boss, then I'm seeing things that that my boss doesn't see. And when I ask those questions, they're not necessarily welcome. What I'm told is get your job done and stop asking these questions that aren't yours to ask. So it's particularly painful with our folks as they're moving up the career ladder, but their their level of insight has has moved faster than their job title and faster (sighs) than their boss. Then we feel broken and the organization is telling us you don't belong here. And yet those are the folks we should be most nurturing. Oh,
2: geez. Woo!
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. And to build on to that, you know, for most of our careers and experience in corporate America, it was all about the bottom line profitability. That's the only thing that matters. So none of this intellectual curiosity and being professionally humble, none of those things really matter that much in kind of the old model. You know, and now there's movements like ESG and Triple Bottom Line and Conscious Capitalism. All those things are kind of making its way through the system in terms of how corporations are measuring success. Even though hey, profitability is still king. Don't get it twisted. Still still king, but there's there's movement in other directions. And I'm curious about your thought on of these movements, and then secondly, how these movements require a different type of leadership in order to be successful.
3: So, I did a presentation yesterday on circular economy to a global leadership group. We just there's a chapter that we added or provided to a book being published by the German government and Saxion University and some others. And Europe is moving faster on their green deal and some of that stuff. And, and our chapter was on, is it possible or impossible, the circular economy piece. And what we've really addressed is there's the science works, there's things that'll work, but the will and the leadership to get there, and it requires different systemic thinking. So how do we bring together policymakers and NGOs who are trying to save species and companies who are trying to make a profit and some companies who are, you know, there's a big debate right now in the U.S. with the big funders, so the Black Rocks and the State Streets and those firms who are giving preferred rates to companies who are focusing on ESG. And so... Um, let's say, an old polluting company has less access to capital than a windmill company or somebody. And I think Texas is now trying to say that the pension funds cannot invest in those companies because the the role of the corporation is to make a profit only. So we're really seeing that tension play out in the Wall Street Journal and op-ed pieces and legislation. And what I want to say is the the back to the leadership maturity, it's not a one or the other. All of the research that I've seen says if we don't address climate change sooner, the consequences economically to the bottom line, and we've just seen Hurricane Ian be the most expensive hurricane we think we'll see at the end of the day in U.S. history, so from a profitability perspective, as well as do you want your kids to grow up in a country where all over the world and on a globe that is seeing record climate consequences, whether they're forest fires in California, you guys are seeing that, hurricanes. Uh, I read something, I think it's the Miss, Mississippi River has 100 barges stuck in it because they're seeing record low water levels how can you not see and believe that every single one of us has some role? Now, I'm not taking cups of water and pouring it in the Mississippi River, but what do I do from a leadership lens to help other leaders think in a more complex way? So it's a both. I can make money and do good in the world. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And I'm not Talking unicorns and fairy dust. I'm talking hardcore data that says if we make this kind of decisions, we will have short term and long term better
1: outcomes. Absolutely. It's like keep expanding the pie. It's not about having splitting the slices that you currently have. Make the pie bigger. Think more expansively. There's lots, there's plenty of money to go around. Holy cow, is there plenty of money to go around?
3: We just have to be smart about it. I'm not saying make delusional decisions and just hope it all goes well. Back to my upbringing. (laughs) We don't do that in my family. We we worry about what direction the wind's going to blow with a nuclear explosion. (laughs) (laughs) We make financially grounded decisions. And we look at the big consequences.
2: Yeah. Now, look, this has just been amazing in terms of like uh, just understanding and unpacking like your perspective. But I do have like a final question. Who are one or two leaders that inspire you and why?
3: Okay, I'll use one that is in the public eye, someone Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. If we look at leadership maturity, probably one of the most advanced and documented doctoral research done on him. Was able to change an entire country and influence people around the world through the power of his thinking and his presence and his um his strategic decisions versus con- contrast that with Vladimir Putin, who's blowing shit up, right? You've got and carnage. So there are ways, I believe, to transform that don't involve massive violence and loss of life and if you think about the economic consequences to the world right now to the global economy because of lack of access to fuel to Europe in the winter to the grain um to Africa I mean around the world people will die well beyond the war zone because of the consequences of these actions so if you look at someone like Mandela or Gandhi, who, or Martin Luther King, who have made changes that were nonviolent. And I'm not saying the Navy SEALs shouldn't go in and do what they do, too. I'm not saying there isn't a place for force. But boy, we should think awfully darn long and hard before force is used and ensure it, it is appropriate for the outcome we're trying to create. Then I would say the other are a couple of people in the developmental community that people don't know, but they are the researchers who created these frameworks and and can now help me and anyone who's following this research understand what our next level looks like. And so how do I look at a Suzanne Cook-Reuter or a Terry O'Fallon or um, some of the others in that space who embody later stage leadership and they teach it so that you know for each of us we look at the person at the next stage higher or later or more developed to mentor us people are looking to you i'm looking to them i'm looking to you too by the way (laughs) but those folks who are are building the path to more mature and more mature means more inclusive looking at the best possible outcome for all beings, not how do I make a bigger profit? Best possible outcome includes that we all have sustainable incomes. We're not starving to death. And this abundance, creativity, Jim Ritchie Donham's another one who's creating these frameworks. And the frameworks combined with smart people, sharing them and implementing them really does create a more constructive outcome than the old... You've got it, I want it, I'm gonna come thump you over the head to take it.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I appreciate as you're thinking about people who 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 inspire, you know, you in terms of leaders, and you're talking about the power of influence and to be able to intellectually change a system from where it is today versus where it will be. I just think that's powerful. And I know that, you know, some of our listeners are listening right now and they're saying, you know what? They're just talking and they're just bringing out their own points of views and this, that, and the other. Well, this is the part of the show where each week we hit you with the receipts. And the receipts are the facts, the data, the status, qualitative and quantitative that cannot be denied. So Keith, why don't you do us a favor and just hit us with the first receipt. And today we're going to be sharing receipts on the impact of leadership
1: on organizations. So Keith, hit us with number one. Yeah. Receipt number one. According to a recent ATD research study, more than 77% of organizations report that leadership is lacking for them. And at the same time, 83% of businesses say it's important to develop leaders at all levels. Paradox there. And yet only five, uh, less than 5% of companies actually have implemented leadership development across all levels of their company. So you got this big need. People say it's important but only a few people are still doing it. And half of the respondents said their companies lack sufficient leadership talent, and 47% predicted there'd be a shortage of leadership and executive leadership skills in the future, especially given the fact that baby boomers are aging and moving out of the workforce, who are our current kind of swath of leadership, if you will. And moreover, 69% of our millennials feel that there's a lack of leadership development that they're receiving as they're moving through the organization. So there's this bubble that's moving out. There's a bubble that's coming through uh, that's not getting the the type of leadership development that they need. So this is kind of almost like a leadership crisis at this point. And again, keep to your point, this
2: is what the data is telling us, right? And the reality is, is as leaders... We're seeing a lot of performative acts. We're talking about how important it is, but we're not actually developing it, right? And we're talking about this this great resignation because people are still leaving, okay? Because they're not getting what they want or what they need um, at a time in a time frame that's suitable to them, you know, in their careers. So again, I think this receipt absolutely backs that up. So look, receipt number two, according to a Gallup study, and I'm gonna hit this Gallup study a couple of times today, you guys. But according to a uh, to a Gallup study. Only 10% of people are natural leaders. Another 20% show some qualities of basic managerial talent that can be cultivated into high quality leadership. And only 48% of employees view their company's leadership as high quality. I mean, unpack that, you know, just a little bit. We have people who show lead, like uh leadership uh
1: qualities and characteristics, but again, to Keith's point, they still need to be groomed. Still absolutely need to be grown. Absolutely. And Maureen, I'm I'm curious how did that all tie into this uh, kind of that strategic competency model or other research and things that you've done that kind of shows this out?
3: It absolutely bears it out. So if we look at the developmental maturity, half of our population is at this level, expert or below, and those are not the people we want leading large complex changes The the number at that strategist level, depending on which data you use, is one and a half to four percent. So people observing see what what the data says, which is if we are to move forward as a globally interconnected set of companies and NGOs and countries, we don't have enough leaders at that level of maturity to effectively move that needle. And there are ways to develop it. We're just not doing
1: it. Just not doing it. That's right.
3: We're not doing it enough. It's not like nobody's doing it,
1: but not <laughs> Absolutely. enough. Absolutely. Not enough. That 5%, that is certainly not enough. And receipt number three in stats compiled by ZPS, 78% of business leaders report actively and regularly focusing on engaging their employees. Yet only 33% of employees feel really engaged, and 79% uh, percent of employees quit due to lack of appreciation. So there's this wide gap between what leaders are saying that they're doing and how employees actually feel about it. And they're leaving in droves because they're not getting that engagement and appreciation. And, you know, to that
2: point, Keith, I mean, we talked about leaders focused on some of the wrong things because, you know, hey, at the end of the day, we know that profit is so important, but we also know that engaged employees Render more profits, you know, for the organization. So at the end of the day, why wouldn't you focus on the uh, the satisfaction or the um, appreciation or the overall engagement you know, of employees? But again, we talked about Maureen, you know, you spoke about this earlier, too, is there should be a bit of a movement in terms of what the focus should be for our leaders. And some of our leaders just have not evolved. You know, some of our former leaders have not evolved. And until we with this receipt that you uh, spoke to, Keith, until we actually attack that that large divide, you know, there 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 won't be a change in the Delta
3: at all. And so I want to add that there were there was technology that can enable enable leaders to close that gap. So Mm -hmm. one of the companies that we uh, interact with regularly is a company called Aware, and they do employee sentiment tracking by day. So there is a it's not to minimize the Gallup surveys are helpful, but if I put in a policy in place and people hate it and some percentage of my valued workforce quits before my next survey, not, not sufficient. So how do we, so if I move from a company paid cell phone to a bring your own phones to work, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. I don't want to carry two phones you're going to ask me to pay for this stuff I hate you people just another cost cutting mechanism if we are able to track that and and they've got good AI to look at what good okay people are going to be cranky we got that what how do we go how do we measure they went from cranky to hostile that says now the humility comes in and I need to revisit that policy but if I'm getting real-time data, then I, as a leader, even if I want to engage, if I don't know what to engage on, it's not necessarily helpful. There are technology-based tools now that can help our well-intentioned leaders have the data they need to do the engagement that's going to matter. Because in some cases, yeah, my boss knows about my kids, but he's he or she keeps doing the stupid policy stuff.
1: I don't <laughs> care that
3: they're yeah. nice. They got to yeah. stop being dumb.
1: Yeah, you know, with regard <laughs> to
3: policies. So I, I wonder if the disconnect is, yeah, they're they're talking to me, but not about the right stuff.
2: Yeah, no, that's ex- that's extremely helpful. That's extremely helpful. And look, we're gonna give you this last receipt here. And I, I told you I was coming back to this Gallup study here, but uh, that I mentioned earlier, but it also talked about qualities of good leaders versus bad leaders. So a good leader's practice to become a better active listener, a resolver of conflict. A coach and an influencer. They also focus on the organization versus thinking about themselves or how changes that they can make will benefit themselves. They also focus on strategic thinking and long-term goal setting. Now, a bad leader is, well, so first off, I have to see if they, if they were actually talking to a few uh, uh, leaders that I uh, have served in the last uh, few years, but a bad leader is close-minded, inconsistent, and has poor communicative um, abilities. Further, they blame others for their mistakes and will actively fight against natural tides of change from lower levels of the organization. Most of all, bad leaders lack the empathy to understand the views of those they hope to lead. I'm having PTSD here, Keith. (laughs) 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 We've worked with some of those. (laughs) I feel like I have woken up from a, a dream that just won't end, you know, here. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, one of the I had the positive opportunity to hear from a recently retired um, commandant of the Marine Corps during COVID, talking to a group of healthcare workers, and he said the largest, the most valuable thing leaders can do is demonstrate empathy. I I've watched too many TV shows. I was not, you know, and I have in mind the the guy in boot camp who is not empathetic. <laughs> So I was not thinking that the Marine Corps commandant was going to be talking about empathy as the most important leadership quality. And this, you know, we, we all go into this, but that's soft stuff. How I be, how I can relate to my troops in this case who are in harm's way, but we had healthcare workers in harm's way every day. We put our folks who are serving food in front of clients who aren't wearing masks and they're spitting and angry and stuff and they're, they're at risk of getting COVID. And we, that level of empathy and be, being able to relate to our people and what they're going through, aging parents, sick kids, whatever the thing is, having empathy creates engagement and commitment. Back to your engagement topic.
2: It's so true. And uh, we've been sharing our receipts, sharing our point of view, and that kind of, you know, kind of transitions us into the secrets because what we want to try to leave people with in this episode is ways that we can impact, you know, changing. You talked about some of those leaders and I don't think that they were leaders uh, from from my recollection who just talked about the issues they offered up secrets. So in this uh, part of the show, we want to just, you know, leave off with some secrets. So Keith, I'll let you set this up for uh, for us here.
1: Yeah, the marine. I mean, you've shared a lot of gems with us already today. But we did want to like, in a very concise manner, leave our listeners with some nuggets, nuggets of winners, nuggets on uh how to be a future ready leader. So if you don't mind, could you share three secrets with folks on how they can be future ready, especially when that next VUCA moment comes up and we know what is coming. <laughs> so
3: So let me start with that militant learner. Because even what I learned today could be obsolete next week. So so have your favorite podcast. If people are at this point in the podcast, they're obviously listening to podcasts. Have your favorite thing. Listen to it and do exactly like you're saying now. Learn from it. There are lots of people who can recite stuff, but they don't take it into their being. They just talk about it. Right. They can talk about humility. And then you're like, that guy's an asshole. He's like, I have no humility in that being at all. So learn and become that thing that we imagine. So if I were to imagine what would my best self look like, then do the work to get there. Yeah. Whatever there is. That, and empathy is one of the components. And it's hard. It's hard when I am tired, hungry, and dealing with my own crap to to worry about what somebody else needs because I don't even have time to eat, right? So, or whatever other bodily functions I'm trying to take care of between Zoom calls that I'm always waiting for. (laughs) And yet, if my vision of who I want to be is this exceptional leader, I need to continue to recalibrate how I show up, who I am, and what I do. So I don't know if that was three- but that's kind of my mushed up recommendation. Girl, that was that was that was just fine. I mean, you you didn't drop so many of
2: the day. I feel like we're cheating by asking you to give us more. So but, <laughs> but we we definitely appreciate it. So look, um, today's episode, Maureen, was just just outstanding. I mean, you know, we just want to be able to to thank you for sharing number one for being vulnerable. OK, because I know when we get to talk we always share stuff and it's sharing it with us. But to be able to share this with, you know, the Secrets community of practice in, in our village, we just love it. So, again, thank you for sharing all of this science on leadership. It was like a master class. OK, uh, so I am appreciative. How can our Secrets Village learn more about the Innovative Leadership Institute and just all of the amazing work that you do? Like Secrets Village. We ain't playing with y'all. Season five is fire. So help us understand how we can find out more about what you do and and how to be uh, and how to follow you,
3: Maureen. So I'd say first, connect with me on LinkedIn and follow our Innovative Leadership Newsletter. So every week we do a podcast, we do a video, short video, and we do a blog. Uh, In that, we list current resources So that's, that's the easiest. And it is every week of the year, we're creating this stuff and we're talking to people like the two of you who share brilliant insights. So that's one. Um, There is a free online assessment and you can either get that at the Innovative Leadership Institute, innovativeleadership.com. On the top, it says, take the free assessment. And that's the mindset assessment. So it, and it, it, gives you an opportunity to score where you are and where you want to be. So this idea of what's my vision of my best self, that's the where you want to be. That's the foundation for starting to create your plan and identify the gaps. And then listen to Ricky and Keith, listen to me, go Google stuff. And if your gap is empathy, as an example from our conversation today, figure out how to get it. Because we and 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 then the next is ongoing practice. Not that I can talk about empathy at a cocktail party because it's not that interesting. But that <laughs> I can become that person with my family first and then yeah. the people who work with me. Oh, oh man, that was that was fire. I told you. Drop man. a more gems.
2: Drop <laughs> a more gems.
1: All, all the way out the door. Drop <laughs> yeah, a more jazz. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I feel like we're stealing, Keith. <laughs> gotcha.
1: So, listeners, you can find more resources on Secrets and the receipts that we shared today by going to our website, uh, Secrets.com, and looking in the show notes for this episode. And I would especially encourage you to take that free leadership assessment that uh, Maureen was talking about. Um, the link to the assessment will be in the show notes. So, check it out or go to the website, InnovativeLeadership.com, and, and do that because it'll just give you a sense of kind of where you are on that leadership maturity journey. We all have work to do. So it just gives you a data point of kind of where you are right now and things that you need to improve on. So listen, our secrets
2: Village just continues to grow. So just, I know we ask you every week, but it really does matter. So help your brothers out by writing a review on Apple or Spotify. Join our LinkedIn group to follow and everything that we do. You know, check us out on all the social media also. And comment on those posts when we do it on your favorite social media channels. And thanks for the amazing support. And there's one other thing I want to say. We recently won the inaugural listeners love award from the black podcasters association because of your support for what we're trying to do. So thank you again for letting us help you all be proactive in chasing your career aspirations. It really means a lot to us.
3: Thank you both for including me. And I'm going to add one other thing your listeners can do share the podcasts on LinkedIn. All Uh, of those shares drive your data. Absolutely.
1: It's free. It's easy. It
3: takes five seconds.
1: Five seconds. We love it. We love it. And y'all already know that PR and I are already locked in. I mean, we are locked and loaded on helping you get, get your coin and getting your seat at the table. You know, currently we're tipping the scales at over $5 million in additional total comp increases that we've helped people achieve by talking with us and working with us. So again, hit us up for personal coaching services or training at your organization. We are happy to come and show up and show out at any time and provide a referral if you like what we're doing. You know, we've had plenty of you all that we've helped. So just send folks like you who are having those same struggles our way. We really, really appreciate it. And check out our gear on our website as well um, if you want some of that Hot Fire Secrets gear. We appreciate that support. And then lastly, before we sign off here, I
0: just
2: want to thank uh, Maureen once again for just being with us today. Like, sister, we just love talking to you. I I have to keep an eye on the time because I just keep I want to ask another question. I want to ask another question, but we really appreciate you being on. If you weren't inspired today for our listeners to lead a bit differently today, then you may want to look at a new line of work because we need leaders to do that heavy lifting, you know, in order to dismantle the systemic oppression that many have endured. But before I start preaching, you know, KP, before I get on that box, KP, we need to refill these cocktail cups, right? And work on some creating some more hot fire for our listeners out there. So until the next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Secrets. And remember, when we share, you transform. Take care, everybody. Peace.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another episode of Secrets. In fact, one listener said that with Secrets, I learn new, actionable information listening to KP and PR. I enjoy the balance of data with the testimony of real experience, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please show these brothers some love. Subscribe and write a review on our podcast. And last but certainly not least, elevate your professional game by signing up for our executive coaching services. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Remember, when we share, you transform. Until next time, cheers.